Jeff, it is truly an auspicious day. I must say, because many people tuned into this today, right? Thinking that they might be hearing another episode of the Hex Drinkers podcast Mm -hmm. or maybe another episode of, of course, critically acclaimed series After Dark. That's true. But actually, this is neither of these. No, it is not. This is a brand new creation that we have birthed from our our budget-loving, common-rarity-loving wombs, a whole new podcast that we are creating. That, That is correct. There are many different ways that could have been said. I would have loved all of them equally and far more than what you went with. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to know that we're off to a great start. This is the, <laughs> as of yet, unnamed, I will insert the name here, podcast. Truly a great name. Amazing. <laughs> wonderful. Definitely didn't have to come up with that um, a week after we recorded this. This is your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the Common Rarity, Mm -hmm. a brand new offering from the trademarked Hex Drinkers (laughs) network of podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, so we're hoping to uh, mainly touch on CPDH and PDC, Popper Dual Commander and Competitive Popper DH, and and all the good things in between. Uh, We're we're trying to focus on everything competitive with this and not really going over sets like for the entirety of Popper, but really trying to get the competitive angle and give people the the insight they need from new sets, from decks in the database, from decks on the tier list, and, and let them level up their game at that competitive tier. Yeah, exactly. We figured it was finally time for us to walk the walk. We have talked the talk about these competitive versions of Popper for, gosh, over a year now. Um, <laughs> and uh, we finally figured it was it was time for us to take the plunge, especially after such esteemed members of the community like the PDH pod have just gotten off to such a hot start. Mm-hmm. We figured we should uh, we should bear that torch as well. Before we get into, you know, what a wonderful show we have today, uh, just a few things about kind of this venture going forward. Like we said, we want to cover all things competitive popper, but a few of the sorts of bits and segments that you can expect from us, we're going to be doing things like Deck of the Week, which Chev is actually going to give to us in, in just a second. We're going to be playing a lot more CPDH and a lot more PDC than we, we have been. We really want to keep up with the format, so we'll give you reports on decks that we've been brewing, mm-hmm. what we've been playing, how it's been feeling, deck techs, whether that's from decks in the database, decks we've been brewing, or decks that we outsource from the community. Of course, as new submissions go into the database, all that stuff that you would get from those after darks, we're going to be covering here. And... Most topically today, uh, we will be doing set reviews as well, but let's hold off for that and let's get into our deck of the week. Chev, would you take it away? Thank you. Yeah. So for this deck of the week idea, we really want to kind of give more in-depth analysis of decks that uh, jump onto the the database um, or show up on other, other places as well, but really kind of give you much more insight than maybe you can glean from uh, the tags and the primer and the rest of the work that goes into it. So I have a relatively new one, um, but I think it's very potent and it's been making a lot of waves recently. Um, And this is Abdel, Agent of the Iron Throne. Now, Abdel Adrian, Gorian's Ward, is a legendary creature from Baldur's Gate that has Choose a Background. Uh, And what Abdel uh, does is enters the battlefield. You can exile any number of other non-land permits you control until they leave. Uh, So like O-Ring effect. And then create a 1-1 white soldier creature token for each permanent exiled this way. It's very easy to go infinite with Abdel. Uh, You just get two O-Ring effects. One exiles Abdel, and then the second one exiles the first one. And then you kind of go back and forth and use Abdel to exile the second one, etc. And then since the soldiers don't disappear with the permanents coming back, you get all kinds of flicker shenanigans uh, and infinite number of creatures. So that's kind of the base. Uh, And that's just him before you even get to the background. And there are uh, white-blue builds that focus more on the the combo angle. And since they are the colors of flicker and you can get just that inherent value of bringing Abdel back, exiling the same permanents, kind of getting that loop. And what M. Edwards has provided for us in the most recent database submission was the Abdel Adrian with Agent of the Iron Throne. The Iron Throne background is a black enchantment that gives commander creatures you own whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So you can get an idea that this is more of a mid-range, grindy version uh, instead of just straight combo. We're trying to build a board of 1-1s and then have them just eat shit and uh, cause our opponents to lose life on a regular basis. uh, This deck uh, does still run the O-Ring 
faceless butcher combo that I highlighted at the beginning. It also has a, a slightly more complicated uh, biblioplex assistant, cloud shift, white mana rock, and then something that draws on ETB. A few more moving parts, but um, assistant when it enters the battlefield, get an instant or sorcery from your graveyard, put it on top of your library. And then uh, you need to like use that to get your cloud shift back and then have a couple rocks. One that enters, you draw a card. And then you have the white rock that when you can come in, tap it, play cloud shift again, and kind of reuse that loop. So a, a much more complicated version of just exile creature, exile thing that exiles creature, and, and so on and so forth. So we are running both of those, but we are really trying to focus on that soldier synergy and kind of put opponents in a situation where they either get through and deal damage or die and Agent of the Iron Throne uh, deals uh, damage to each opponent's face directly. So we are a little bit hindered on Agent of the Iron Throne being out, so do what you can to protect that if you're running this. Um, we've got some really cool disruption pieces. One that's been coming up more recently is Suture Priest versus uh, Creature Strategies. Suture Priest, whenever an opponent has a creature enter the battlefield, you can have that opponent lose one life. So, you know, even against other Abdel decks, um, this is a great piece that you can run because when they're making their infinite uh, soldiers, this makes sure that they die an infinite amount. So they probably won't run it. And it's good against... <laughs> the meta tech. Exactly. Any sort of Presence of Gond combo, uh, any of that as well. And then uh, Stave Off has also been showing up and a few times now as a way to give a creature protection from any color and use this to prevent things like Banishing Knack or Freed from the Real uh, from kind of hitting a creature so an opponent can go infinite. So these are really cool pieces we see in here as well to complement the main strategy. Drawing a lot of cards, having a bunch of permanents out that you can exile with Abdel and come back with strong ETBs and then kind of go from there. So we've got all the flicker that we can in mono white and then the other like pseudo flicker of feign death, you know, supernatural stamina, undying malice where it's, you know, if they would die, bring them back and you can kind of get those same loops going. Uh, and the idea is you get Agent of the Iron Throne down as soon as possible, hopefully have a few rocks out by that point. And then when you drop Abdel, you can exile the rocks, make your first few soldiers, start the, the cycle and then flicker as you either wait for the combo or slowly whittle down your opponent's life. Of the ones on the database, relatively straightforward. Uh, Mid-range is, is a very easy kind of way to jump in, and it does have that combo when you're looking for slightly different win con or kind of to get a little bit more aggressive with it. Wow. Yeah. That was uh, that was very thorough. Thank you, Chev. <laughs> yeah, we discussed this briefly mm -hmm. in our most recent wave of database submissions, but I, I really appreciate the in-depth look. Every time I look at this deck, I'm giddy with how just like grindy and resilient mm -hmm. it feels. Obviously, we're playing the Death by a Thousand Cuts game, but, you know, we just have so many ways to either protect to get back, like you said, those those black pseudo flicker effects yep. like Undying Malice. Like, yeah, go ahead, you know, point your snuff out at Adrian, but like, I'm going to have him either way. And we're even running things like Omen of the Dead, Righteous Aura to make sure that we can yeah. either get uh, our Adrian back or Righteous Aura, I think, is a card that just more white, like basically every white deck needs to play. Yeah. But this is just a way to like protect against anything really plus we're running like a bunch of uh like i said really grindy things like have you ever seen lantern of revealing in a deck because uh, i mean it's new to new from Baldur's gate but this is a three mana mana rock adds a man of any color so right we're already on par there mm -hmm. but you can pay for if you just have a bunch of extra mana lying around uh tap it and look at the top card of your library if it's a land card just put it on the battlefield tapped and if you don't, you can put it on the bottom of your library. If you're like, I don't want that, just get it out of here. Yeah. This signals to me we are we are in this for the long haul, uh, and and we're gonna you know like I said we are going to grind until mm. the cows come home. It's it's just remarkable, <laughs> honestly. The, uh, the 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 couple things I want to highlight too, and and again, huge shout out to uh, M Edwards for submitting this list. I always uh I always read that as Medwords. Medwords. So. I, I'm, I'm yeah. it might be Medwords. Uh, I'm assuming that it's you know first initial Squidward's cousin. <laughs> Amazing deck. We were so glad to see it last time around. One of the things that I think is really cool too, of course, to not forget is when you exile your rocks and then maybe cloud shift Abdel, those are all going to come in untapped. And so you can kind of have a, a instant speed, get a bunch of mana and use it for something else too. So don't forget you kind of have that synergy to bring back the things you exile and then they're going to be immediately available for use. Yes. And you can, um, you can of course, if you're doing that quote-unquote infinite combo ideally one ideally if you hit the infinite combo you're going to win right there but uh you can tap those for mana yes in between each flicker so you can also theoretically generate infinite mana if you have mm -hmm. uh a mana sink um somewhere in the deck which i'm sure we have at least one or two in here i'm just not seeing them right now yeah so 
So th there were two cards too that I think might be good in this build from um, Dominaria United. So I wanted to call them out real quick. You've got oh, yeah. Phyrexian Vivisector, which granted is a little bit more conditional than Nefarious Imp, which I believe is in here. And Nefarious Imp is whenever one or more permanents you control leave the battlefield, scry one. Uh, Phyrexian Vivisector, and we'll, we'll get into the Vivisector a little bit later, also is uh, two mana, um, but it's whenever a creature you control dies. So if we're if we're running Agent of the Iron Throne, um, th this is just an additional sort of card to put in there to get more value off of your creatures dying. Uh, make sure you're finding the pieces you need or additional rocks for Abdel to exile the next time around. And then the second one, uh, this one was called out a lot by the PDH pals on, on Twitter as well, because I know they've been looking for a downshift. Meteorite. Uh, so Julian, I don't know if you remember how many of these these dumb rocks we opened up in Magic Origins. I think when oh, we saw it for the first time, far That's too uncommon. many. Far too many. It's a five mana mana rock. Taps for one of any color, so not good. But when it enters the <laughs> battlefield, uh, deal two damage, I believe, to any target. You pay more to put it down, but if you're going to be continuing to flicker Abdel, having that direct damage is going to be very nice in a deck where a lot of it is kind of keying off of those ETBs. Even if you were just to flicker that rock itself. So something to keep in mind. Two cards too, if you're like trying to take this list and make it your own. Uh, obviously, you can slide in more than that, but those are two that I would be looking to to see in this deck, kind of going forward. Yeah, I mean, once you have the the infinite flicker combo, right? Which is you know you need a few cards to make it happen, but once you have that, like meteorite's a win condition, right? Oh yeah, spicy. As opposed to having to have a sacrifice outlet to sacrifice creatures and trigger mm -hmm. you know proc the mm -hmm. iron throne just keep exile on your rock no that's that's great all right now i expect to see it <laughs> i mean honest, I, I would need to look and i would need to like write out all the lines and be like okay this line costs this much mana and requires right, this yeah. many cards but i i think there is a world in which that is like the quote-unquote most efficient play and really that's just wonderful the fact that we're playing a format that is aimed at going fast, being super efficient, hyper-competitive, and meteorite is the optimal win condition. You can kill someone the way the dinosaurs went down. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Wow. Truly a stellar find there, Chef. I, I appreciate you bringing this light to the masses. <laughs> Our first deck of the week. We take bribes if you want your deck uh, highlighted. Uh, if not, we will probably go through the database as our, our first source to kind of bring about all these decks, uh, especially ones that kind of entered the database from its very inception. So ones that never really went through the whole process and were seen by the largest number of people. Uh, but we will also try to source decks from other places as well to kind of bring them uh, more engagement in the community. So if you want your deck featured or you know one, uh, reach out. When Chef says we take bribes, um, I think that's his subtle way to plug that we have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Hexdrinkers. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> Now that we've hit our first deck of the week, I think we should hop into our main topic. And, and mm -hmm. as I foreshadowed in the beginning, we're doing a set review of Dominar United. It actually just pre-released a couple days ago as of recording this and probably just released a couple days ago as of this being released. I think it's only fitting that we are starting this with the return to the set that kicked off the uncommon mm -hmm. legend boon and yes. kind of... You know, the set that gave us such format tyrants as <laughs> things like Tatiova and stuff and really kind of revolutionized the way we have commanders in PDH and in mm -hmm. CPDH especially. What, what, are we, what are we working with here? What's procked our interest? So uh, when, we, when we say a set review too, we're not trying to, to tread the same ground that the PDH pals and the PDH podcast have, have done prior to this. We're, we're going to be focusing specifically on the top cards we think are competitive and then where we think they would go, certain information about them. But this is going to be a very, you know, precise, like these are the cards you're going to want to try in competitive uh, and not so much every common that's that's in the set. Yes, we we do not nearly have the patience for a card by card set review. We're not doing anything like such greats as as the PDH pod and and limited resources have done before us. This is merely five from Chev, five from me, and then a few uncommons that you might want to helm your decks. Mm -hmm. So kind of jumping in um, right off the bat, this is this is one of the cards that I was most excited to see once I kind of put my mind to it. Domain gets a little bit of a bad rap. The effects are usually relatively small. I'm assuming it's for, you know, constructed um, or, or maybe limited. But the, the benefit you usually get from having those land types is not that large. Uh, there are a few where that benefit really picks up. And this, I think, is one of them. And, and the card is Shadow Prophecy. It's a two and a black for an instant. Domain, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Put up to two of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. You lose two life. So 
right off the bat, if you're in a two-color deck, this is just an additional Blood Pact. That was a card we saw also very recently. Three mana, instant, uh, draw two, lose two. That, we know, is in six decks currently in the, the database. So also I want to shout out to Corey from the Dark Confidants, who one of the scripts he runs, if you guys listen to the episode of the uh, PDH podcast, where we go into kind of how the database works and how it's structured by uh, all this data that we can accumulate from what's in it, what people are submitting, etc. One of the things that we keep track of is how many times certain cards appear across all the decks. And that's a resource we started to use to kind of look at some of this. Blood Pact is in six decks. This is just another addition of that effect. And in colors like black, white, where you don't have a lot of good draw and especially good instant draw, uh, this is a slam dunk. While there aren't any three color decks yet where blue is not there in addition to black, if we get one of those, like maybe an Abzan, Mardu, anything like that, it skyrockets in, in value, where now you're you're looking at the top three, you're probably putting something in your yard that you can get back later, and you're putting two of those into your hand. And so, you know, it, it, throw this in a Fusion Elemental uh, non-competitive list too, and it'll be fantastic. But this, I think, is a really good instant draw that we should see a lot of in coming two-color black decks where blue is not an option for your card advantage. Like we said, the the three mana instant or even sorcery speed draw two lose two in black has just become like such a staple in in all aspects of of popper formats um, and even in CPDH. Just having that extra redundancy is nice, especially at instant speed. But I think I think the interesting thing really comes when you get to play three and even more color decks. Now, obviously, we don't have any four or five <laughs> color uncommons to work with yet. Yet. <laughs> Always trust in, in fire uh, design philosophy. Are you but, discounting um, Fusion Elemental and uh, what is it, Composite Golem and Transguild Courier? Uh, we don't we don't have any competitive list with them yet. Uh, but I was going to say I, three... I am yeah. very much discounting them because they're <laughs> they're not good. But yeah, I think uh, you know being able to play this in in like you said a three color deck probably mm -hmm. like probably something like an Abzan. I would have to look at what our options are now, but I'm sure we'll get a, a, a playable one in the future. Um, being able to also just bin that third card yes is very good for other decks um even if you like have to fire this off on like a dual land and two islands in your blue black deck being able to bin two cards is still fine the consistency the redundancy that this offers and of course you know that's not including any sort of incidental synergies with putting things in the graveyard uh this is just yeah it's one of those bread and butter things that you're like yes this will just have a home right don't immediately discount it because it has domain actually like look through what that text is doing because it is pretty potent uh and also while we're, while we're here talking about domain honorary shout out to the the new 10 uh dual typed lands we have they're good because in green based decks because you can tutor them and all that stuff but in any deck that is now using domain or cares about that they work beautifully with obviously shadow prophecy and will go in any probably pdh deck alongside the snow ones we got with call time basically like every tapped duel from here to the end of time will be able to be included in pdh decks Correct. in cpdh we're a little bit more picky mm -hmm. but if you're playing a, a mid-rangey sort of deck or or especially if you're playing any sort of three color deck which are they're starting to trickle into the database. Yeah, we're, I believe we're getting we have a few like more. four or five of them now. Those are good pickups. And yeah, I, I did a search because I was like, oh, please tell me we can search these somehow. And uh, if you are playing a green deck, which admittedly we believe is the weakest color in CPDH, but if you're playing a, a deck that has green in it and you're running uh, like Sky Shroud Claim or Wood Elves for whatever reason, <laughs> you can search these. Yeah. So bada bing, bada boom. I think that's it, right? If you're playing Tassio a three color deck, deck sure. and you go, <laughs> true, true, true. If, you, if you're playing a three color deck and you can Sky Shroud claim for mm. two of these, I think that's like the dream, Yeah. right? Right. You can pretend you're playing EDH. Yes, exa yeah, exactly. I got my two fucking shock lands and I'm good to go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, obviously new dual lands are great. Mm. And eventually, I, sw I, I promise you, eventually we will have ways to search common dual lands in PDH. 100%. Give it another year. Yeah. <laughs> Give it another year. <laughs> common uh, fetches when? Maybe the slow fetches. You know, I think I think they're common rarity. Those could definitely get reprinted at com Oh, wait, hold up. All right, I got to check. Please tell me those aren't at common rarity already. Right? No, they're, they're... I think they're only on They most certainly are not. All right, good. I, I didn't think they were, but I didn't look too hard at the downshifts for Baldur's Gate. Actually, yes, we did. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. did we did, we did for we Baldur's did Gate, in, in and slow fetches were... I think all of them were reprinted in the um, five-color commander deck for this one. We're, we're, we're getting a little off topic, so we should steer back. But uh, yeah, I think they were all on commons, yeah. Um, Chev, anything else you wanted to mention about uh, Shadow Prophecy? 
No, I, I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, play it in any deck that is black and probably not black and blue. There are probably better options, but it, it can still, as Julian said, have use for putting things in the bin on purpose. Another Blood Pact is a great thing to have in the format. Also better name. You know what else but, is... You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is a, another better good redundancy thing to have in the format? A Talarian Terror. <laughs> now, I talked about this on... I, talk, I mentioned this on Twitter briefly. The the amount of disrespect that Wizards has been putting on my boy Cryptic Serpent's name in the past few months has been just really, really offensive. Like, obviously, we had the whole, uh, you know, Sailor's Bane came through, took the crown. Yep. Uh, that is now in the database, right? Just ate the Cryptic Serpent. <laughs> it's just... It's too powerful for me to ignore. But Talarian Terror, a six and a blue uh, serpent, 5-5, five, five, that costs one less for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard, with Ward 2 this is still basically just better than cryptic serpent <laughs> and i'm kind of mad now it's coming in at common right so mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to play this as your commander but twofold one if you're playing a sailor's bane deck or you're playing a god forbid you haven't switched over uh from cryptic serpent you know bless your soul but maybe you might want to this is just redundancy in that deck right like mm -hmm. somehow if they get your your sailor's bane now you have this to to back it up or you just might have two right which is good it also is uh one of the biggest weaknesses of those two decks in that style of deck in particular is edicts having another creature yes that you can sacrifice you know we're, we're running things like archaeomancer generally we're running things like mnemonic wall uh, occasionally um just to sacrifice this is just another thing it's generally going to come down for like two mana it has built-in protection so it's hard to get rid of it can just block for days and that's strictly in those decks there are uh, there are like you know probably two-thirds of the decks in the database uh, and in the format in general are running blue in some capacity correct Talk about just another fat threat in a Crackling Drake deck, mm -hmm. in a Ghost of uh, Pietro Plus deck, right? This is just um, another thing that's going to generally come down super cheap. Uh, it's protected. It blocks literally everything in the format as a 5-5, five -five, except for Sailor's Bane, but you're playing it in the Sailor's Bane deck. <laughs> You know, we're, we've reached the point where we're starting to hit critical mass on a lot of these specific types of cards, right? Like, that's just a good addition for a lot of decks, especially since so many decks are playing blue and so many decks are playing a lot of cheap instants and sorceries that are going to make this cost literally two mana. Yeah, having good, strong backup creatures in blue is something that, you know, it, it, some do exist, but a giant butt on the field while you get together your uh, Banishing Knack combo or your Freed from the Real, having some way to keep your opponents off of you is going to be very important. Uh, the one thing I do want to call out with Crackling Drake and Crypt uh, Sailor's Bane um, is just make sure you remember that with those uh, they don't care if the spell is an exile right uh, whereas Tolarian Terror yeah. does this will be something that I see as just like throwing into your deck the number of times it will matter especially with one of those guys at the helm your opponents are going to be less likely to just exile your graveyard uh, they probably still will but it, the need that we saw with Cryptic Serpent to exile the graveyard because that just renders the commander obsolete is not there as much. So maybe that balance of them less likely to do it means this card will be stronger. Either way, keep an eye on that because if you just treasure cruise and then try to play Talarian Terror, you might realize you made an oopsie. All right, any any last words for Talarian Terror, uh, Julian? No, I've, I've said all I needed to. Big butts. <laughs> no justice, no lie. peace for my boy Cryptic Serpent. So jumping on to my next pick, uh, it's something I kind of foreshadowed above in our deck of the week uh that synergy was obviously intentional phyrexian vivisector two mana for a two two phyrexian human whenever a creature you control dies scry one so it's a cheap card advantage trigger um it, it's going to be really nice with two new commanders we're getting ellis ilcor uh which is just the the ultimate aristocrats commander and aaron um caption or something but that that a guy Aaron. yeah Aaron. i think it's only one a um oh. yeah but he got phyrexianized or something and is the dad of some other characters in the lore anyway aaron is a, like three mana sacrifice a creature put a one one counter on each other creature you control busted amazing going to be super cool this is an obvious win for that deck and and decks that really just care about creatures dying i can see this in mayhem devil i can see this uh obviously <laughs> as said above in uh abdel Another really good bread and butter card. It gives you that card advantage in a color that, as we mentioned with, you know, Shadow Prophecy, Black doesn't have a lot of amazing options to kind of like filter through your deck if you don't have blue. Uh, so I see this more in decks that don't have access to blue for just actual card draw. Here we're just scrying, 
Um, but I think this is a very powerful piece in decks that care about creature death. Uh, just remember it's that creatures you control die, not any creature. I think another important thing about this is that, like you said, we're we're starting to hit critical mass in terms of like our aristocrat decks being close to like what actual, yes. you know, yeah. EDH aristocrat decks are looking like. But, you know, the thing is a lot of our black white decks in here have that aristocrat slant, but they're also usually combo combo decks. So we don't necessarily need to be drawing a bunch of cards as long as we can just filter, like you said, yeah. to the ones that we actually care about. Exactly. We can, you know, we can scry 12 as long as we get to the one piece that we need. And I think this is going to be one of the best options, at least for now, to, to make that happen. Yeah. And especially when, you know, you're, you're trying to filter through your deck, deal damage uh, to get to your meteorite win con. That's right. This is a callback. True. That's how well True. we planned this podcast. Yeah. I mean, we don't have, well, no one has a fabricate in this format yet, but yeah. <laughs> but we definitely don't have fabricate if we're not in blue. So <laughs> got to just scry to it. Phyrexian Vivisector, good card. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I want to talk about another good card. And this, this provides a similar sort of card selection. Uh, I want to talk about Academy Wall. Ooh. Now, as I was looking through the, uh, we got about 100 new commons mm -hmm. in this set. I think 87 specifically. Somebody can read. Uh, I, I kept like looking at Academy Wall and I was like, maybe? And then eventually, I, I don't know if I talked myself into it, but I'm, I'm going to try and present as good a case that this is a pretty good card. Mm -hmm. So this is a this is a two and a blue for a wall. It's a defender and it's an 05. So first off, let's just talk about this, right? Three mana is fine, whatever. We, we can pay that all day. And it's an 05, right? So like I said, this shuts down a lot of things coming in, right? We don't have a lot of like super huge creatures in the format. Um, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may draw a card. If you do discard a card, this ability triggers only once each turn. Now, obviously, this ability triggers only once each turn is a new rider that they've been putting on cards because they don't want us to have any fun. Uh, but that's fine because this triggers off instant. So we have four players' turns to, you know, trigger off. We can do yes. that. Yeah. This being just kind of like a recurrent card advantage source in a lot of decks that just want to be casting instants and sorceries, right? I talked about a lot of the blueback decks, basically every single red-blue deck, um, we're going to just be casting things, whether it's to get into the graveyard to make sure that our Sailor's Bane costs cheaper, uh, whether it's to put in the graveyard or whatever because we want Crackling Drake to be huge, whether we're just discarding cards because, you know, toast things. Right. This is just going to be drawing us cards. Uh, it puts things in the graveyard as well, which is there's also synergy there. Um, but the way this kind of functions just as basically like an enchantment, right? You know, like a, a build your own <laughs> Build build your own Rhystic Study is, is kind of generous. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I almost see it functioning similar to how uh, red-blue decks play a lot of the cards that say whenever you cast Sinister Sorcery, uh, like deal a damage. Or Correct. Whatever, you know, right. the gutter-style card. Um, this just being able to filter through to get to our combo pieces. Maybe we're running high tide lines. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe we're running blink things and we just need to get to our ghostly flickers or maybe we need to fill our graveyard. Uh, this is just another kind of piece that holds down the fort and allows us to get to that endpoint. provides a lot of incremental card advantage. I'll let other expert members of the community weigh in, but I, I think this might be an underrated card. And I think it's definitely something that deserves inclusion in blue decks in the format. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I'm really glad you brought up the um, things like Crackling Drake, where we're really, or, or uh, I keep wanting to say Cryptic Serpent, but I mean um, Sailor's, <laughs> Sailor's Bane. Bane. Sailor's yeah, Bane, yeah. yeah. And being able to kind of fill the yard off of uh, those spells. Granted, you probably want to be casting them before they go to the yard, but still having that ability to kind of at instant speed, you know, grow your commander is going to be super powerful. Uh, and then of course with Ghost, where it, it literally cares about discard, uh, this is this is a great pickup. And I also don't think it'll be the first target your opponents look at when dealing with removal spells. Uh, it's not going to fall to any of the, you know, mass removal deal two damage to everything because it is an 05. So it would have to be specifically targeted. And for it to be the thing that kind of I'm going to spend time on, as opposed to like the threat itself, like Crackling Drake, uh, it, it, it's probably just going to sit there and accrue value for most of the game. And also this is, once again, edicts are, are more sort of a, you know, your personal meta sort of consideration. But once again, this is just going to sit there and then they're going to be like Chainer's Edict and you're going to be like, yep, sack my academy wall, attack you for another nine. Like, yeah. All right. What do you got next, Jeff? My next pick, kind of continuing my my uh, vein of you, just functional good cards that kind of help smooth uh, a CPDH deck to, to get from you know a, a, a nine to a ten, uh, and that's Keldon Strike Team. Mm. Uh, so much more situational than I think the last two, where really any deck with black is going to want to play the Vivisector or Shadow Prophecy. 
um, for that value. Uh, Keldon Strike Team is a little bit more specific, and it's two and a red for a 3-1 human warrior and kicker for one and a white. Uh, when Keldon Strike Team enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create two 1-1 white soldier tokens. As long as Keldon Strike Team entered the battlefield this turn, creatures you control have haste. Okay, so three mana enters the battlefield, all creatures have haste. I'm ignoring the, so the soldiers are cool, uh, but we're here to do broken stuff most likely, and that is for three mana. We can cast this and then with all our other stuff. And and very specifically, this brings to mind the Rocco uh, Cabaretti Caterer deck that got entered into the database last time as well. We covered that on our uh, database episode of After Dark. Uh, but one of the key cards in that deck is Tuck Tuck Rubble Fort. A, a three mana, creatures you control have haste. And it was very specifically so we can set up our Presence of God combos at instant speed before anyone has time to respond. Having another... Tuck Tuck Rubble Fort is fantastic, and it does fit in the colors of Naya. Um, there aren't going to be a ton of decks that are looking for this sort of like specific three mana haste enabler, but I think any deck that can uh, benefit from having a large mass of creatures in Boros Plus should take a look at this card. I, I mean, I also think that you said you were going to ignore the two one one right, soldier yeah. creature tokens, but. I mean, paying five mana for three bodies, you don't want to be doing that, <laughs> but it's a nice safety valve for, yes. oh dear lord, I need to not die. And if not dying for a turn allows you to either thwart somebody else or get to your combo, that's fine. Yes. But like you said, yeah, the combo potential, especially for decks like that Rocco deck, is powerful. We've been talking about it all pod, but this redundancy is really making a lot of these decks hum it makes a deck more than just like i have a line that can exist and the rest of my deck is focused on making sure that single line happens and we're, we're seeing the development to where i can now have multiple lines multiple targets and it becomes faster paced as a, a game format and also more challenging to pilot the deck which i think is what we're kind of expecting as decks increase um, in speed they're also going to increase slightly in complexity and we will see a large divergence between pdh and cpdh so that's really what all these new cards are doing they're really smoothing the curves that exist uh for cpdh decks what do we got next from uh from you well you know chev i think i'll stick on your theme of uh getting aggressive i've got a pick that is a bit more speculative mm -hmm. but i want to i want to talk about you're, you're feeling a little speculative today i've been feeling a little speculative we'll we'll, we'll get there even further i got i got even more one but but i want to talk about best boy bog badger best boy uh, say bog that badger. five times fast uh, this is two and a green for a badger, a 3-3. Three, three. That's fine, but really what we care about is his kicker for a singular black mana. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, if Bog Badger was kicked, creatures you control gain menace until end of turn. Mm -hmm. So currently there are only two decks on the database that are black green, strictly black green, no three colors. Uh, one is a Dina Soul Steeper, and one is a Wither Bloom Apprentice. Now, Wither Bloom Apprentice, uh, we have seen in action, that's more of a death by a thousand cuts style yep. sort of thing. And Dina Soul Steeper is leaning towards that uh, combo aristocrat sort of thing, but just in Golgari. Specifically, if there is a uh, you know ever a chance for a Elf Ball style deck, I'm thinking um, Herald, uh, yeah, something, something of Skemfar, or even like uh, Abomination of Lanawar. If we can ever reach that, which I think, I think if we put enough of the collective brain power into that, I think we can make a uh, Golgari Elf Ball deck competitive. If that ever becomes viable, having an easy way, you know, four mana, right? The kicker is only a singular black mana. If we can ever do that and give uh, all of our creatures menace, mm -hmm. that's huge. I think that could be a win con. That's like. To me, and maybe I'm getting a little grandiose here, but that is like our triumph of the hordes. Yeah, it's super strong. And we have a couple of the of those effects in Dominaria United. Uh, another one, I'll, I'll probably call it a little bit later as well, Heroic Charge. Uh, the It's an instant, I think it's like three or four. Uh, yeah, it's like two white and two instant creatures you control get plus two plus one till end of turn. Kicker for, uh, I think, red and one. Um, but then those creatures get trampled. And so we, we haven't seen a lot previously cards that apply an effect to all creatures you control at common and so getting our overruns getting our triumph of the hordes and our um crater hoofs those effects have been missing and might really unlock some aggro strategies you said if we get in an elf deck of course julian you're forgetting about our other central tenant here on the currently unnamed competitive pauper podcast and that is 
PDC. Of course. In our After Dark, where we kind of talked about a pauper dual commander, I ran an elf deck. Uh, we saw that there was another more aggressive elf deck that existed with Abomination of Lawnware at the front that already has Menace, but is still an elf ball in every way. Bog Badger would be amazing in those builds, giving your elves a way to get through and in a format where there are already big elf decks. I have no doubt we'll eventually get a solid elf deck in uh, CPDH, but don't sleep on Bog Badger for uh, that other 100-card format we, we follow. But I, I really like Bog Badger. It's something that I, I was definitely keeping an eye on too. And then any of those Anthem to apply to all your creatures is worth looking at for the two-color combinations that they exist in. Yeah, I think a lot of these sort of cards are definitely worth a reconsideration. We mentioned in our previous episode that the format is certainly shifting a lot more towards aggro decks being viable. That's strictly for CPDH. Yeah, if we're talking PDC, then then yes, this is <laughs> this is this is huge for those sort of things, you know. And then of course, you know, being able to play something like a Shaman of the Pack there, yeah, you can hit him with the one-two punch. Um, but we will talk more about PDC in further episodes but chev i couldn't help notice that you also have a golgari card on your list let's rise up we're, rise up black green gang we're trying to make golgari work while there are some strategies and kind of as as julian mentioned with only two neither of them really win through creatures besides their commander uh because the commanders are so powerful dina and uh witherbloom they don't need a whole lot of uh stuff from the 99 as far as you know creatures are concerned but in time when that changes, obviously when Bog Badger becomes a, a staple and bannable card due to its just sheer powerfulness, uh, best badger, <laughs> a best boy badger, um, if, you know, it dies and you want to bring it around again, Urborg Repossession might be for you. A one-mana black sorcery with kicker one and a green. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. You gain two life. If this spell was kicked, return another target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. We already have ton of effects, um... At black, sorcery, one mana, return creature card from graveyard to hand. Not a lot of these are currently being played in CPDH. There are very few other ones that, again, like I mentioned, are recurring these creatures. But I think, you know, once we get there, that effect to get one or pay three mana and get two cards back, one of which doesn't have to be a creature, is super, super good. Better than Druidic Ritual, which I think we saw in uh, Baldur's Gate, that's like mill three and then return a creature and a land specifically uh so it's more open than that uh soul salvage i think it's just three mana return two creatures uh but it's too generic so it can work in just a mono black deck uh but that's not seeing play in any deck uh so it's better than those in the golgari colors the only card it currently would be up against in a deck where you're caring about recursion might be survivor's bond um that's from ikoria it's a two mana green sorcery that's return a creature a non-human creature and return a human creature so if your deck can make that work, uh, it's a little better costed. But I think for every other case, you're going to want to run Repossession. And this is probably my most speculative pick where, you know, we, we don't have the, the the deck for it yet. But this is something that we'll be coming back to on a later episode and be like, we covered it first because we're awesome. I think this card is awesome. I think three mana to get. And it's not it's it's not like this is just three mana draw two. Mm -hmm. This is three mana draw two cards that you know you want and are good cards, right? Right. You could get crap off the top depending on how your deck has been shuffled but this is like no no no. these are cards that i want and they've probably been good enough that someone has removed them yes and i will now get them back for three mana the fact that it doesn't get only creatures is huge too there's plenty of you know crazy enchantments artifacts whatever that we can get back and i think i think really the biggest thing holding this back is that there's just not a lot of golgari strategies if this was two in a black this would see play immediately soul salvage is that card uh it is two creatures um, but that, that has not seen, seen much attention. Maybe it should be reevaluated in the, in the current one, but, or maybe the, um, the permanent clause makes this more useful. We mentioned that, uh, Dina doesn't really care about, uh, creatures, but even if you're paying the one black for this, it's return a creature and gain two life, which procs Dina. So it, it could also be a consideration for those strategies. I, I really do think that permanent clause mm. is, is huge here. Yes. I'm just thinking if we had a Sultai commander. Yeah, ooh, that would be beautiful. And you mm -hmm. could run this to get back something like a Freed from the Real. Now, you're, now obviously, those are blue cards. So now we're, we're jumping through extra hurdles here. Yes. But I think there's real, real potential here. And I think we just have not unlocked the right uh, Golgari commander. I talked about my Golgari card. But that's my quota for the episode. I'm going to go back to talking about blue cards. <laughs> Uh, this is actually this is actually something that you uh, turned my attention toward, Chev. This is a impede momentum. Now, 
Impede Momentum is a one and a blue for a sorcery. Uh, tap target creature and put three stun counters on it, and then scry one. Now, as I kind of thought through this, it's a little bit more niche and a bit more of a meta sort of consideration than I thought, but I think there's a lot of implications for this stuff, right? So we're tapping target creature, we're essentially locking a creature down for three untapped steps, which is... That's a good chunk of a game, right? How, how how long do games last? 10 turns, 12 turns maybe? Right. Let's see, so you know, a quarter of a game. I think the huge thing is that there's so many combo decks in the format that are reliant on creatures tapping. Mm -hmm. Thinking Lay and Lore Weaver, uh, some variants of Malcolm combos re rely on tapping. Um, you know, things like Quicksilver Dagger, uh, Viridian Longbow. Um, there's things like Parcel Beast. There's an Around Me deck, you know, the mill and, and reanimate sort of stuff. Being able to lock those down from activating Cormella is another one that we just got is huge. Also, this can lock down anything that needs to attack any Armix deck. Crackling Drake, Sailor's Bane, we've talked about them enough this episode, but being able to lock those down, obviously you have to get through Ward on some some of our things, right? Protection, but um, you know, being able to lock those down is huge. The thing that makes this not immediately a shoe-in, obviously, is the meta considerations. If you're not playing against any of these sort of decks, if you're playing like an only aggro meta, it's not as relevant. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, unfortunately, there's a bunch of options in our format for the combos that untap these forcibly, right? Mm -hmm. Things like Freed from the Real, things like, um, you know, we have a Pure Sight Marrow deck in the database that it literally has the untap ability. Even though I love this card, I think it can really cripple a lot of those decks and give you a lot of good time to either get your own combo off or just, you know, kind of nullify those while you're while you're doing your own thing. The unfortunate thing is that there are a lot of untap abilities, so it's going to be a lot more contingent on how you can play around those or just what what are the people you're playing with running. But I still think it's a it include that a lot of people should consider even just for you know, the, uh, who's the new Bant, um, like, double striker guy from Nuka Pena? We got the Discipline Duelist. Even if you just need to lock down a Discipline Duelist, this is something that's that's really good about it. And since it doesn't technically remove them from the battlefield, it's not like they're just going to replay it again. No, it's just kind of stuck there. And generally, a lot of Voltron decks and stuff are not running Sacrifice Outlets. So a, a couple a couple points here, and, and maybe we need to get our favorite uh, Pauper Judge on here to, to rule. But stun counters, if a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove one from it instead so i'm very interested to see how this plays with things that do have the untap ability like if you pay it and you go to use the ability do you just remove a stun counter like is it a replacement effect wow so god reading cards is is actually amazing <laughs> um i just kind of shortcutted in that into my head the stun right that it like... only is the untap step yeah yeah yes but you're right. I think there's some some added utility here. I was going to say something like, you know, if you're in a color where better removal exists, maybe you don't want to consider this at first unless it's for the meta. Keeping a creature down for three turns is better than removing it, and then it can be replayed because the thing you're probably tapping down is a commander. I almost see this as like a mini oubliette or, or uh, that one card we got from uh, Modern Horizons 2 that's like exile something with two suspend counters on it yeah so this yeah. this kind of deals with that but if it also deals with any untapping i think that gives it you know a, a, a plus 0.5 right where if you can't untap it with a, a random effect or another creature or itself maybe you can get out of like a turn of it but you're still paying the mana for the untap ability and there's two more of those you have to deal with yeah um <laughs> now that you mentioned that i think it's still a situational sort of card but i it, it definitely goes up a bunch mm. so yeah good good call there Amazing what happens when you, uh, you know, read the reminder text <laughs> on what a stun counter is. I mean, they are brand new, so uh, they... True, and, true, and true. I'm very glad they exist. Like, when, when we heard we were getting another evergreen counter, uh, I assumed it would be of an ability we already had. It really cleans up a lot of cards that are like, when this enters the battlefield, uh, tap target creature and opponent controls, doesn't untap in their next untap step. And you're like, okay, now we can just say ETB put a stun counter. We even talked about it on our last uh, regular podcast about discussing one of the, the custom legends that you created uh, where instead of, you know, having a bunch of extra unruly untapped text, you can just deal with that. So very excited to see where they go from here. I'm sure we'll see a lot more and learn to hate it. But for now, MP Momentum seems like a pretty solid pickup. Jumping to my own blue card I, and something that I think specifically will not work if a card has uh, sun counters on it. Shore up. <laughs> one blue. Instant, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains hexproof until end of turn. Untap it. 
Again, call out to Corey for maintaining the list that shows how prolific certain cards are across the, the database. Dive Down is a, a classic piece. Gives a creature hexproof plus O plus three. That's in 12 decks. Uh, Mizium Skin, a little bit more, you know, can be applied to multiple creatures. That's in 13. So Shore Up clearly has a place for it, uh, either as replacing one of those or in addition to Yalaron. I see you already added it to your Parcel Beast list. Uh, that was the, the first one that I was thinking of for Shore Up where that could come in handy. Look up the list and it, I, I'm immediately drawn to the one card with a little red exclamation point to it on um, Moxfield. So... Glad to see you, you, you're recognizing the value. It's very clear that this is a super powerful card. It can enable things like Around Me uh, to get an additional go around. Uh, basically everything that, that Julian mentioned, uh, Impede Momentum tries to stop. Shore Up gives you the ability to fix for activated abilities or, you know, a surprise blocking Crackling Drake, which I think most people would be very upset to see. Very good utility card, protects your best creature, or lets you get in with an additional activated ability on something like Lay Lore Weaver around me, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think you said pretty much everything that needs to be said. A, a singular mana card in the best color in the format that protects your most valuable asset, aka your commander, uh, is just going to be an auto include. I think if we took all 10 of our cards, mm -hmm. this is like number one of just like, yes. This, this is just like, oh yeah, I got to find a slot. Like this this is going in. <laughs> Literally when we saw this revealed, you know, like midway through spoiler season, we were just like, oh, well, there's a, a CPDH staple shirt. Yeah. Go ahead, carry on. I actually think this might've been one of the cards that was dumped. I think a couple of my picks here, I think both Shadow Prophecy and Shorup were just kind of thrown in that like final common dump we get uh, the Friday before pre-release. Don't quote me on that, but I believe when um, I was kind of digging through and those showed up, I, I called out Shore Up um, in a, a Twitter thread kind of highlighting the best of the rest. Um, and I think even Keldon Strike Team was part of that group. Cards with abilities that seem like so innocuous in every other format, but are kind of the bread and butter of CPDH. I know. I still need to get used to the vomiting of like, you know, 70 cards at the end of spoiler season because I'm always like entranced in the beginning. I'm like, oh, what? What do we got? Yeah, and then, flashy myth. Yeah, after a few days, I'm just like, uh, I'm already worn out from spoiler season again. And then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, here's the here's the rest of the set and all the cares cards that you care about for for Popper. All right, I think that's I think that's it for my picks. So if we're if we're counting, Julian, you should only have one more card, correct? You're right. You're right. There should there should only be one more card. But Chev, uh, this is this is a podcast with me on it, so we all know that I had to cheat, right? <laughs> So I actually have two more cards. Um, one, because one is a card that I thought was going to be really good. And then I looked and I was like, maybe it's it's not as good as I thought. And the other one is is once again, a speculative pick. So let me let me talk briefly about Battle Rage Blessing. One in a black for an instant target creature gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn. Now, at first I thought this was our first like real instance of indestructible in black. Uh, that's not true. There's like five or six other cards that give <laughs> indestructible in, in some form. But I do think that this is just kind of like an underrated sort of thing. I need to further peruse the document that Corey produced um, and kind of see if those other cards are in there. But I think for a lot of decks, especially mono black decks, uh, this is like kind of your best quote unquote form of protection. And I think... Of all the additional buffs that some of them give, one of them is like plus two plus oh, one of them is like lifelink, one is like some other weird condition draw card. I think the death touch in indestructible is probably one of the better ones. Yes. So once again, having this redundancy, having this ability to um, not only protect something, but also take something out in the meantime, I think is a, I think is pretty good. I think that this should see niche play mm -hmm. depending on kind of how things are going but i think it's something that at least we should draw attention to i think from the the aspect of you know this is a you're protecting your creature that's in combat but you'll make sure to take someone else down with it and also just the the two keywords together almost look at it like a modal card you know like you're probably going to be using it to protect your best asset uh death touch conditionally but you could also throw it on something like mayhem devil or another card that is going to ping multiple things in a single turn and use that death touch to just murder uh, multiple larger threats. Gotta say, two mana can be searched for with transmute. So that's a good call. I did not think about the, um, oh, just maybe I actually just care about having death touch because I'm going to be nuking the field. But uh, my my final pick and my, my other speculative pick is another two mana card, but this one's in green. We've mentioned it before and it will not be the last time, but you know, you know, we've, we've got some feelings about green over here <laughs> on the, uh, as, on the, as of yet unnamed competitive yes. popper podcast. Um, Bite down is an instant target creature. You control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker. You don't control. Now this is not a new effect. We have cards like this. We have things like Ram through. We have things like, um, I believe prey upon is a similar thing. 
This is speculative because we only have currently one mono green list in the database. It's a team or saber tooth list, uh, which is basically wins off of a combo. Like I said, even though green is kind of the weakest color in PDH, I think the, with the way the meta has been shifting, being more uh, hospitable to aggro decks and the way that cards are being designed and printed in that things are just being pushed, I think it's only a matter of time until we can get a legitimate mono green aggro or mono green Voltron strategy. Yeah. Think Cryptic Serpent, but green. I think it's very possible. Um, or do sort of like a more swarmy style mono green aggro. If that becomes the case, uh, one of the big important parts of that deck is going to be uh, how many efficient good, they're not fight cards, but whatever the, oh, we're just dealing damage equal to our power yes. to another creature. Uh, however many of those cards we have, I think is going to be an important part of the deck and maybe even the make or break part just because um, can we get rid of at instant speed here, you know, potentially someone who's going to try and combo off. Can we get rid of large blockers? Can we get rid of death touch blockers? Because we need to get through with probably a, just a huge trampling creature. I'm going to speculate, say bite down is something that people should take note of. Um, I think we have like three or four of these in, you know, right where we want to be. Um, so when we get that inevitable mono green aggro or Voltron deck, uh, this is a card that you're going to want to include in that deck. So I had to cheat, but I, I think it was for a good cause. I was looking for the future. I'm, tr I'm trying to <laughs> trying to pass the torch. <laughs> when green becomes good, uh, we'll be ready with all the all the picks, um, specifically with Golgari. But you know, it's it's funny. We'll be ready with all the hate because honestly, I'm surprised mm -hmm. that the way green has looked in in several other formats over the past few years now. Yeah, it's still a safe haven from from green dominance. I mean, what's that? What's that giant ape that we have at Mythic this time? It's like whenever you cast a creature spell, like do one of a million destroy things something, because draw, do, do whatever abilities Questing Beast didn't. Um, we're gonna fill out the cycle. Yeah, literally do whatever you want. <laughs> that's that's how I see every green, every green rare in Mythic. It's just like whenever you do anything, do whatever else you want. <laughs> we still have you know some some reasonable uh, reasonable green cards down here in, in the commons, but I think that that wraps up our top common um, picks or or the top cards to to put into your ninety nine from uh, Dominaria United. But kind of shifting gears a little bit, let's talk briefly about some of the cards that we expect to see as powerful commanders from Dominaria United. What are some either legendaries or just regular uncommon creatures? I don't think we actually picked any regular uncommon creatures, uh, given that this is a Dominaria set, all the good ones were legendary anyway. What are some that you think might be powerful uh, decks going forward and might even make it into the uh, database? True, true, true. Yeah, there are uncommons in this set. Um, as there are in, in, in most, most sets, sets. Will someone say. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just want to throw out two quick ones because they're basically going to be kind of like color shifted versions of things that we've already seen in the metagame. First, I want to talk about a uh, Tura Kenner lead uh, Sky Knight. And I'm sorry for all of our German listeners. I've completely butchered that name. The Sky Knight is two, a white and double blue for a human knight with flying. It's a three, three. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a one, one white soldier creature token. I'm seeing this kind of as an alternate to the Murmuring Mystic deck that yeah. we already have in the format. Um, obviously, Murmuring Mystic is uh, much easier to cast, right? Only one color, uh, more generic to work with. It's a mana, cheaper. Um, it makes flying tokens, um, but it's only a 1-5. So I think there's there's some trade-offs here, right? It's it's a similar sort of strategy where you want to swarm the board with tokens. Correct. Obviously, Tura can get in on their own they have flying you have access to a lot of powerful white cards you know things like protection mm -hmm. things like oblivion ring effects uh, removal you know, blink effects yeah. as well i think it's kind of a, a trade-off but it's going to function in a similar way just in the fact that once again we're slinging a lot of spells we're going to be swarming the board death by a thousand cuts i know this isn't true bird gang ryan don't come after me but you know this is an option that you could get into and then um ryan don't come after me part two somehow these are both his decks uh but uh rona shieldred's faithful is a one a blue and then double black for a legendary creature human wizard a three four whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell each opponent loses one life this is the magecraft ability off of witherbloom apprentice uh, as well rona can be cast from the graveyard by discarding two cards in addition to paying uh its other costs so we're trading the two mana Witherbloom Apprentice for a four mana Rona, uh, but we can cast from the graveyard, kind of negating that sort of commander's tax. Mm -hmm. We're getting that, once again, that death by a thousand cuts, but via slinging spells. But I would argue in best color pair in the format, blue, black, you know, we're just playing better spells in general overall, I would say. Um, in addition, 
discarding cards to the graveyard in blue-black is generally been fine, whether it's graveyard synergies, whether it's madness, whether it's whatever. Um, I think Rona is going to be a formidable commander and in that sort of a Witherbloom apprentice style uh, deck. So Yeah, costs a little bit more up front, but with the ability to add madness cards specifically, uh, the one that like costs zero to return a creature from your graveyard, uh, madness zero, I mean, or the, the destroy creatures on ETB. I've been excited and interested in a madness blue black commander for, for CPDH. Uh, and Rona, Rona might have, have what it takes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly can it come down and establish a presence. And then especially with like, you can gain value off of them in the yard. Uh, it is a, a pretty potent combo. It's also a lot easier for this as well to obviously run proper like yeah. I win the game combos as opposed to uh you know the wither chad mm-hmm. who is in Golgari who is who's just I'm cast I'm just doing Whatever the thing works. the yeah, mid-range yeah. grind yeah exactly so uh you know there's trade-offs here but you have looked at wither bloom apprentice and you've been like I could see myself playing that or it's it's almost where I want it to be I think Rona is going to be a nice uh color shift yeah. on that strategy also uh, a shout out to this much <laughs> improved Rona from the one we saw in the original Dominaria. It was like Rona. Oh my God, it was so bad. Gix, that was painful in terms of what it did. I, I know I mentioned in the beginning, like, oh, you know, original Dominaria, like the original Uncommon Legends. They had like Tatiova and stuff. They also had a bunch of really freaking bad legends too. There, there were some uh, less than spicy ones. And then I think, I think this must be the whole Uncommon Legend cycle where it's like one pip of one color, two of another. Because I've realized that that's both of mine as well. Uh, starting with Garna. Uh, Blood Fist of Keld, another honestly cooler uh, upgraded version of what we saw in uh, OG Dominaria, or not OG, but 2018 Dominaria. Uh, one black and two red for a human berserker, 4-3. Whenever another creature you control dies, draw a card if it was attacking. Otherwise, Garna, Blood Fist of Keld, deals one damage to each opponent. So I think, again, we're going up against um, a, a similar... A similar deck, uh, Mayhem Devil, uh, would probably be the easiest to compare. That one is... Another freaking Ryan deck! <laughs> what the hell? Whenever, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone sacks a permanent, deal one damage, I believe, to any target, and then something else. You're losing a little bit on the ability to target anything, but I think you're making up for that with a, a strong commander that gives you card draw in red-black, which are not the colors you normally get card draw, uh, and, and so you're probably doing a little bit more with tokens, a little bit more aggro. You're just going to kill people with that that final ability. You're using, you know, carry-in lines, any sack outlet to have your creatures just deal one damage, thousand cuts again. And I, I really see the draw card as like a, a random bonus, but it will probably come into situations where your opponents are like, do I want to block this 1-1 or let them draw a card and then your 1-1 will get through and then you sack it something else and just hit for another. So I think Garna is going to have a very interesting time trying to figure out you know where the balance is between sack effects and going all in on the aggressive attack the opponent strategy for the card draw uh but i i really want to kind of dig my hands into that puzzle my second call out is for tori davenant uh fury rider one two red and a white for a human knight three three vigilance and trample whenever tori davenant fury rider attacks all other attacking creatures you control get plus one plus one till end of turn other red attacking creatures you control gain trample untap each other white attacking creature you control so pseudo vigilance i think that this is one of the coolest sort of aggressive boros commanders we have at uncommon there is liara portier um which is a just a house just got into the database as well so i don't know if this if tori can kind of compete with that on the aggressive level but i think there's a lot of opportunity here for you know making a giant board they're getting buffed. They're given trample. Uh, this also goes into a card I mentioned earlier, the Heroic Charge, as almost a backup Tori uh, in the 99 where it can give your creatures plus two, plus one, and trample. Uh, so you don't even need Tori to kind of get those abilities, and people might remove it and think they're safe from a wide board. I'd be very interested to see, can we get a fully aggressive Boros list to the competitive level? And I think Tori might have what it takes to get him there. I 100% agree. This is, in terms of just like, sheer damage coming at you this is probably one of the best that you can do if not the best i was a huge fan when we did our review of the commander liara portier uh first of all that's going to be five mana so it's mm-hmm. you know it's an additional mana uh, and that focus is more on you know exiling cards off the top getting that card advantage i'm a sucker for card advantage and i love it that it's in boros 
Um, but if you just want to get the opponent dead, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the even the uh, the Liera Portier, like, it could win through combat damage, but it also had, like, a, a combo or two, I believe, just yep. to finish off because you're you're able to draw so many cards. Um, but if you just want to get your opponent dead, uh, Tori Avenant is damn near as efficient as you can get. So I think they're going to play a lot of similar cards, but it's just, like, how are we actually closing out the game? Uh, are we going to be actually be in the damage step? Are we going to be in trying to, trying to pull off a combo? So I think they both have their place there, but like you said, it's going to take a little bit of finagling just to find the optimized build. Yeah. And hey, I mean, Keldon Strike Team is in colors. Uh, pay your, your five mana, get your two 1-1 one, one white soldiers that when you attack with Tori, those become two twos with Vidge. So it's... Extremely true. And haste. So you, you can come in swigging. <laughs> I just know... I need I would need to do some research, but I just know that there's some shenanigans where untapping each other white attacking creature you control, I'm sure there's some things that have respectable enough stats and tap abilities that you can, you know, finagle in the combat step uh, and just kind of uh, maybe get a little True. cute with it. Maybe that's maybe that's not where we want to be. Maybe we just want to be as much damage as possible, yeah. but I, it's I would like to see at. if there's yeah. a way to abuse that. Any, yeah, anything that sure. has a tap ability, right, because it, it specifically doesn't give them vigilance. It's another untap. So maybe you don't need them open as blockers. Maybe you want to use your... Maybe one of those archers that's like deal two damage to a target blocking creature. Not going to lie. We were talking about, um, uh, I think it's Ohabi Kalaria, yeah. uh, who we notably have not talked about on this because she's not good in this capacity. <laughs> but yes, there are some archers that I believe do uh, one damage to target blocking creature. Well, if that's enough to punch through, then sure, go ahead. I don't think there's much exert at common. That would be something a little spicy, untapping one of those, because I know that with Vigilance is always a, a potent combination. The only one I can think of is I know there is, I remember I played this in, in like an Amoncat, uh, like a Redux draft mm -hmm. on, on Arena. Uh, there is one that's like a flying 2-2 two -two for like four or something, but you can exert it and give all your creatures plus one plus one. Oh. Um, I don't know if it's an uncommon or a common. If that was a common, that would be worth including and looking into because yeah. that's that's a pretty sick you know, being able to do that every turn basically is pretty sick. Definitely. Just one last commander that I want to talk about. It's uh, Elias Ilkor, Sadistic Pilgrim, uh, the aristocrat of all aristocrats, just a black and a white for a 2-2, has death touch, Phyrexian Core Cleric for whatever synergies are there. Uh, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under control, you gain a life. Amazing. Soul Warden. Uh, whenever another creature you control dies, each opponent loses a life. Amazing. Uh, you know, Suja Priest, whatever. This is just, I feel like this deck just builds itself. Someone just get, you know, brad brad drag v on the phone he'll he'll build this deck yeah we just we'll just add the uh the cpdh staples but like you know obviously we have a few now um orzov lists in the database uh they're playing all sorts of just the little like dumpy uh enter the battlefield yep everybody discards a card yep. whatever you know those sort of like incremental value things and we can just you know we get values off the etb again we can sack them for all sorts of stuff recur them chip in can run combos as necessary this just feels like the most basic most versatile mid-range sort of thing play it with all your uh flesh bag effects and then we we just got a new ortsov um flesh bag horrible way to describe it i know um uh, but one in a white for a creature uh and then kick it for one black uh etb if it's kicked uh, each player sacrifices a creature. So it's it's not as abusable in blink strategies as the other ETB sack a creature that costs three mana. Um, but for the same cost, you kind of get another one of those effects that are still not as common at common. Um, so my first thought with Ellis is, you know, all the edicts on a creature I can manage. So they enter, gain a life, they die, everyone loses a life and their best creature or their worst creature. <laughs> and then eventually when no one has anyone creatures, it doesn't matter that you're only attacking for four damage a turn with your one ones. Exactly. This deck, it's not calling out to me as like, oh wow, look at how exciting and interesting yes. this deck is. But I'm just like, this card is just too efficient to not have yeah. some version in the metagame. Now, that is all of the uncommons that we wanted to discuss. You know, I'm sure you could make cases for some of the other ones, but we needed to keep this to not a million years long. Uh, we talked about 10 extremely powerful ish. and, you know, some... It, it, you're right, you're right. We'll put the little, little ish after there. Uh, you know, some some good uh, includes as well. And uh, we, uh, we discussed the Abdel Legion of the Iron Throne list, which is, you know, at this point has been now tested and, and, and proven in battle. Indeed. Um, Chev, is there anything else you wanted to mention on this lovely inaugural episode? I, I think the, 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 the final thing I, I 
will say after saying no, I don't want to say anything else, um, is thanks, obviously, to the community that really makes this possible. Uh, we're looking at, at decks submitted to the database. Uh, thanks again to M. Edwards. Uh, we are re reviewing some of these cards in a more competitive mindset. So if you want like a, a larger review for PDH in general, of course, check out the, the PDH Pals or the PDH Pod. Uh, both have released things recently in there. Special shout out to Corey and the Dark Confidants for their uh, work with data on the CPDH database and especially giving us the lists that show the breakdown of how many times cards show up in various lists. It's a very good tool for kind of establishing when a new card comes out, you know, how likely is it to see play in certain lists or, or what effects are missing. And so you can kind of metagame against it. Um, and so really like we're, we're being mouthpieces right now, but everything that is kind of let us do this has come from the, the community. So if you want to keep going and, and give us ideas for names too, that would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, I, I echo everything Chef said. And if you want to give us free content, please the the community feels us if you have uh you know an idea for something that you want us to talk about if you have a list that you want us to discuss if you're like hey i really think that you need to talk about this one comment that you missed because this is going to be broken uh hit us up obviously all the uh the contact channels are the same uh hex drinkers on twitter um hexdrinkers.com slash patreon uh the email the website that whole thing and if you have any questions, hexdrinkers at gmail.com. We'll see you all in the next episode. We're excited to start this thing, and we hope you will join us for the journey. Chev. Please don't sue us. Chev. Yeah. We can cut that out.